Our scripture reading for the morning comes from the 32nd chapter of Genesis. Verses 22 through 31 can be found on page 30 of your pew Bibles. Uh, I'm going to add one small little sentence through the Jacob Bolton translation, uh, but I will let you know where I make that additional emphasis. I hear now for the word of the Lord. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had, and he stayed. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Will you pray with me? Almighty and loving God, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word now that does not change. Then we may respond to your gracious blessings with faithful and obedient lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As we continue our summer-long journey through the famous figures of the Hebrew Bible, some of the greatest hits of the Torah, we encounter this morning the memorable story of Jacob wrestling with an angel, receiving a brand new name, receiving a blessing. I kid you not, my Uber driver earlier this week welcomed me into the car By saying, ah, Jacob, you wrestled with God. (laughs) This is a very well-known tale. Jacob, grandson of Sarah and Abraham, after tricking Esau, his older brother than him, just by a few seconds, out of his birthright and out of his inheritance, we encounter Jacob much later in life today, set to meet Esau after years of separation. And as Olivia pointed out, 
Boy, is Jacob scared. Jacob is so determined to delay seeing his brother that he sends absolutely everyone else in the household away to encounter Esau before him, leaving Jacob all alone to fend for himself. It's only then when Jacob is all alone that he encounters the divine. They engage in some sort of all-night exchange, a struggle, a wrestling match, the result of which is shared blessing, and Jacob being given a new name, for Jacob wrestled with humans and with God and has prevailed. Now this foundational narrative leads me to three main preaching points, and I promise you I'll throw in a fourth at the end, which sheds light on the biblical wisdom that our sacred tradition has passed on down to us. First, this passage honors all of the moments in people's lives when we receive brand new names. Now, we're often given names at our birth, but they may not necessarily be the names that we use throughout the duration of our lives. Many of you by now have heard that I am George Jacob Bolton V. It's my name. How many of you call me George? Exactly, maybe one. I go by Jacob. And when you get together at a family reunion and three people turn their heads at the name of George, quickly it's time to make a change. Now, I'm not alone here in going by my middle name, not exactly the name that I was given at my birth. There are some very famous folks that also go by their middle name. Robin Rihanna Fennerty. Rihanna, I'm sure some of you are familiar with her work. William Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Henry Warren Beatty, Warren Beatty, and of course, R. Ben Hutchins. <laughs> Further, nicknames are not only, or nicknames are often given to us by others, and those are the names that we frequently use throughout our lives. I invite you all to think of the nicknames that you've been given throughout your lives. How fun of an exercise would it be if instead of our names on our fellowship pads, as if some Sunday we actually wrote down our nicknames and then greeted one another by nickname during fellowship hour. Sometimes it's not just nicknames that change. Sometimes it's our actual names that change throughout our lives as well. This is often due to a specific significant moment in our lives, some sort of milestone that we reach, some sort of Maslowian mountaintop that we climb. I can think of multiple loved ones, members here at Westminster, folks who call this place their spiritual home, who have placed on new monikers after wrestling with or perhaps encountering God in new ways these last couple of years. Anytime a beloved saint does this, they are simply following in the biblical ancestors' footsteps, those whose names have also changed after significant moments. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul. The tradition of receiving a new name after a significant moment in one's life is so important in the Catholic tradition that confirmation students receive a new name once they are confirmed. 
sharing their name with a saint of the church that they feel a strong affinity toward. Students study the saints, and they then discern which saint may be the best fit and take on their name as their confirmation name. So let's say a confirmation student loves the outdoors. They may take on the new name of Francis. That would make sense. Let's say there's a confirmation student who might be a little feisty, right? They might have a little fighting attitude. Perhaps Joan, St. Joan of Arc, would be a good moniker for them to pick up as their confirmation name. This is a tradition I greatly appreciate. It allows a confirmation student to do two things. First, it empowers a student to declare. It empowers a student to name how they have come to know God how they themselves have wrestled with their own faith by learning about the lives of the saints that went before, and then associating themselves with those people. And it does this while also positioning a student to play an active role in claiming their own newly and rightly named identity in Christ, honoring both their past and claiming their new name for the future. A confirmand can then see themselves through this new name as having a sacred location in the story, in the history, our shared history of faith. You see, ultimately, every time one's name is changed, whether it's in scripture, whether it's throughout church history, whether it's now in modern culture, it is our identity in Christ that is further defined by this sacred act of renaming. Our names may change, but this is important. God's sacred and ancient and omniscient name does not, as we find ourselves at a deeper threshold of faith. Perhaps no one and no name can change represents this better than at our baptism. When my former colleague, Reverend Steve Mickey, and former classmate of Larry's, used to say, when you are baptized, your last name is changed to Christian, and you join the universal family of faith. An old life is gone, a new life has begun, and we are all then divinely adopted, united, and named as one. In Christ Jesus. We are all honorably named, honorably named as individuals loved and claimed by Christ. Second, this leads me to the next point in this passage that this biblical name change indicates, and that this is that we all receive the new name Israel alongside Jacob. It's not just the biblical figure Jacob that wrestles with God, that receives a new name and this blessing, but it is in fact us through our shared ancestry, through our shared faith that renames us as we share the new mantle as the people of God. But how does this work? We are spiritually connected to that ancestral line of faith with all of our biblical all of our theological, all of our ecclesial foreparents, those that wrestled like Jacob of old, as our hymn we all just sang reminds us. The great cloud of witnesses that came before, see, we join them 
in that ongoing give and take of a life of faith with Yahweh. When the authors of Genesis shaped this story of Jacob, they did so in part to account for the new name that the patriarch received after being blessed by God after this sacred and divine encounter. Your name is not Jacob any longer. You are Israel, for you fought with God, you fought with humans, and you have prevailed. But Jacob's new name is not merely just for him. Claimed by Jacob slash Israel's children, and then claimed again by their children and their children, Israel became a, the spacious name of a chosen people. As Dr. Mary Ludy, a retired professor from Andover Newton Seminary, writes, Israel became a corporate personality. As later scripture attests, Jacob's contentiousness in Israel's history is Israel's history with Yahweh. His refusal to let God go all night is the people clinging to God's covenant. God's blessing is their very existence. However personal that encounter was, however intimate, how mysterious, how rowdy, how life-changing, God's ambush at Jacob was not a private experience. It was also an experience shared with God's people. The story was not about one person's experience, but about us in an earlier embodiment. You are Israel, God said to Jacob, and we are too. This means that the covenant that God made with God's people was not made just for Jacob, or Noah, or Abraham, or Peter, or Christ, but the covenant was made with us. The collective that's come before, the collective that is here now, the collective that is yet to come. And we all receive that new name. We all receive that shared and sacred blessing when we dare to encounter, when we are brave enough to wrestle with the living God. We are honorably named, honorably named as a body, as a community, as a covenant people, loved and claimed by Christ. The third point I want to name comes from the biblical scholar and renowned rhetorical critic Phyllis Tribble. Phyllis Tribble teaches that the best definition of the Hebrew term we translate into modern English as wrestle from this passage can more appropriately be translated as to make God dirty. To make God dirty. Now, dearly beloved, I'm not going to lie. This briefly made me want to change the sermon title, just thinking about all the fun things we could put out on our marquee at the corner of Cameron Mills and Monticello. Singing a hymn that has the refrain of making God dirty like Jacob of old, though, does kind of have a certain ring to it. But with all sincerity, this interpretation I simply adore because it reminds me of the absolute and selfless loving power of our God. The God that wrestles with Jacob 
The God that wrestles with us is the God that does not remain separated from humanity. This is the same God that created humanity in divine likeness. When sacred breath entered earthen clay that was fashioned and then molded together. Our God joins us in this realm as an advocate, as a support, as a never-ending stream of outward empowering righteousness. Our God is willing to become dirty to create us. Our God is willing to become dirty to be in community with us. And our God longs to become dirty to know us, to name us, to call us beloved, and to prove to us why we are called that. The power of our God is that our God gets dirty with us in the complete fullness of our beautiful and broken world to know our desires, to heal our wounds, to stoop, to bow, to care for us throughout all of the filth and muck of our lives. The power of our God is that our God does not remain isolated from us. Our God does not stay up on Mount Olympus and watch in some disinterested fashion. Our God is not only revealed when the Nile floods during the rainy season. Our God did not become flesh, heal sinners, and field multitudes, and conquer death and ascend into heaven simply to remain there. Our God seeks us out, even when we're alone and afraid, to care for us, to guide us through the muck of life. And is the first to bless us when we work through the struggle to overcome life's challenges. We are honorably named, honorably named as the people that God created and named good to live in community alongside. There is no higher and there is no more honorable blessing than that. One final point. My biblical namesake, Jacob, is kind of a schmuck. <laughs> Throughout his life, he usurps, he manipulates, he connives. His brother, his father, his uncle, even his mother. And we encounter him today afraid of reuniting with the brother that he cheated because, well, Jacob knows that he was wrong. There's a school of thought that posits that this all-night divine wrestling match was really Jacob wrestling with himself about whether or not to cross that river and reunite with his brother, or whether he would give it all up after sending his family and his flocks and his entire household over there before him. And the good news, friends, the very good news is that Jacob did not. Jacob crosses that river. Jacob reunites with Esau, and there is a reconciliation that has informed the faith lives of a people bound together in memory, in covenantal hope, bound together in compassionate love. Jacob wrestled with God and humans and with himself, and Jacob prevailed because our God is willing to get dirty in our lives to ensure that we know that in the midst of our most difficult moments, that we are never alone. 
No matter what we may fear, no matter what we may face, no matter what we need to overcome, no matter what uncertainty awaits us just there beyond the horizon, we have wrestled with God, and because of our God, we will prevail. Amen.